Hey y'all, you're listening to Damsels in Detroit, the podcast all about women from the city that are killing it in their industries. I'm your host, Evan Webb. Each week, I invite a damsel to come on and talk with me about their life, careers, and why Detroit girls do it better. Hey y'all, we're back. Another episode of Damsels in Detroit. This is episode 30. Yeah, So exciting. Well, wow. That's kind of a milestone, I guess. 30 episodes. This is the, I don't know, what's forward about about 30. I don't know how many months this has been going on since March, <laughs> <laughs> but we're having fun. Um, so today I'm sitting here with Eden Sableborough. Sableborough. I said that right. You did that so well. Okay. And, <laughs> and congratulations. Before we go any further, congratulations. Thank 30 you. episodes Thanks. is something. That's something. That's, That's something. something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing it. You're killing it. Thank you. You're making it work. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to read a little bit about Eden before we get into our questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. I have this bio here. It's very detailed. Um, so Eden Sableborough is an independent film, video and film producer, director, and editor based in Metro Detroit. In 2015, she co-founded Real Clever Films, LLC, a full-service, proudly immigrant-owned video and film production company primarily doing documentary and doc-style filmmaking for various nonprofits, national media publications, and storytelling-based commercials. Eden is a New York Foundation for the Arts Immigrant Artist Program Fellow, a Sundance Institute Creative Producing Fellow for the Detroit class, and a core member core member of Final Girls, a collective of professional working female filmmakers in Detroit. That's so many Fs. <laughs> Her work has been featured in media outfits such as AJ+, The Atlantic, TheRoot.com, Fox Media, Huffington Post, Gizmodo, and more. Wow. Okay. That was a lot. <laughs> Where do we go from there? <laughs> Where do we go from there? Well, um, my first question for you, of course, is going to just be how you got into filmmaking. I would love to hear that story. Right. Okay. Where do we begin? Because if you have time, girl, I... I do have time. You know, I, I don't have to go work my other job today. You know? Let's go, let's go dive deep into the story. Okay. But um, I think this all began, um, obviously, like, I have to kind of, like, introduce myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've only been in Metro Detroit. I mean, in America, to be honest, for the past five years. Okay. Um, I moved here in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, I've had, you know, I've had quite a pretty decent career that I started for myself in the Philippines. I had like this awesome Carrie Bradshaw-ish vibe. Come situ- on, let's talk about you it. You know, we, we work hard for it. We work hard for it, right? So um, I started working radio when mm-hmm. I was fresh out of college. Um so did that for a little bit. Um, and then I had like amazing friends who worked in fashion. So I did, you know, I did a stint in, uh, in as a fashion stylist, actually. Okay. Um, and then did a lot of things. And then fashion blogging just also fell into that. Yeah. But then, so a lot of the things that I did just kind of like gravitated around entertainment, kind of like in mm-hmm. the film culture um, industry. But ultimately, I, I got started going deeper and deeper into acting. So. Okay. Acting was really kind of like the bellwether for me. Like I was like, oh, I could really do this. So mm-hmm. I started doing a little bit of theater acting, um, and then I got a scholarship to go to film school um, for like film, you know, film and TV acting okay. training, obviously. Um, and being involved in that space, that's where I met my current now husband. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a cinematographer and a filmmaker as well. Okay. Um, and just we kind of like just fell together in this situation where we wanted to tell the same stories. We appreciated the same aesthetics. And mm-hmm. so we were like, OK, let's just kind of get started doing random guerrilla short films. Yeah. But eventually those things like kind of did a little well. And um, they went on to festivals and, you know, like everybody who worked on them eventually um, 
found themselves some really good careers uh, working in the Philippines. But eventually, like, the bottom kind of fell out of my life, so to speak, because, okay. like, we had to, like, move to America. Yeah. And this was kind of, like, in the cusp of all that, of all the good things that were happening. Okay. So we were like, okay, in 2014, we're in Shelby Township. We, you know, I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was like, credit score, what's that? You know, <laughs> driving, what's that? Okay. So I had to really... I had to really get to know the culture and really, yeah. like, uproot my life and start from zero. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very defining moment for me. It was yeah. really weird, and I didn't really know how to proceed from there. But, you know, it took a lot of, like, just just hustling, I guess. We started from, like, one, you know, small camera to, like, just continuing on building and building. And eventually we found ourselves surrounded by, like, some really, really amazing people in Metro Detroit mm-hmm. that were just, like, so supportive off the bat. Right. And they were like, oh you guys have kind of cool work. Let mm-hmm. me refer you to like everybody that I know. So um, it just kind of grew from there. And, you know, we now find ourselves with some really, really cool clients um, that we're working with um, that have been so supportive. Um, currently, aside from my practice, though, I do work full time as well okay. uh, as a producer for an animation studio in Detroit. Nice. Um, called First Fight LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, love them. They spoil me to death. Um, and it's one of the very few animation studios in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So... I'm all about just, like, telling stories and doing some really cool things with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Well, you mentioned that you are not from here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're from the Philippines. So I just want to know, one, what that adjustment was like for you coming from a totally different place and coming to America. Because I know, clearly, culture shock and, like, it's just, I mean, it's just different, you know? So kind of what was your experience like when you first got here? And how do you feel like your culture and your heritage plays a part into, like, what you're doing with your work? It was just so surreal. Yeah. Like, I I found myself in the Philippines. I grew up in a relatively, you know, international setting. Like, okay. I've had a lot of friends who were, like, you know, expats. And they were just, okay. like, you know, like, really cool foreign people that, are, that was always around. Uh-huh. But eventually, like, being in an environment and, like, having to live there and settle there is a totally different thing. I yeah. thought I was prepared for it, to be honest. Okay. But reality was just so 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 much different and in america too like there's so many things that again were just absolutely like i had no idea how Mm -hmm. to deal with like i had no idea what you know what credit scores were and i literally did not know how to drive but i told myself like if i don't drive i'm not i'm not doing anything i'm not getting anywhere yeah plus i was also pregnant so there's like that whole there's a lot of factors that felt like this is impossible this Mm -hmm. is not gonna happen so I, I just had to push forward. Okay. Like every day, you know, it was one day at a time and it was, there were some very rough years there, but um, I kind of knew where I wanted to go. So yeah. I just kind of kept clawing up, I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Well, now I would like to talk about Real Clever Films yeah. and kind of just like how you and your co-founder got the idea to start it and what that beginning stage was like and where you guys are at now. Yeah, so the beginning stages, we were both working in really random jobs mm-hmm. that, again, that was the only thing we could get at the time, being yeah. not from the country. Um, but we knew we had th- something to say. We knew we had a certain aesthetic that we really loved to do and was kind of <clears throat> consistent in our earlier work, which is kind of like a feel for like human interest stories mm-hmm. and really kind of giving it the most authentic approach possible. Okay. And we were we both come from very like real backgrounds. So that plays a lot into the kind of storytelling that we do and mm-hmm. the kind of storytelling that we do gravitate to. Okay. Um and so real clever films, we were just 
you know, we were in our one of our earlier houses and we were just like, oh, let's, you know, let's do something really cool. Like, you know, like these production companies, they have two names, like Bad Robot or something mm-hmm. like that. So we were like, okay, so um, let's think of something like really clever, like really real clever and then so we're just like so oh cute that's and it, it's interesting too because like you're doing it with your spouse so right. it's not the early it, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do rather mm-hmm. um and it you know definitely hit some rocky parts yes, there of course you have to try to separate like this is work this is home or like Ex- yeah precisely <laughs> precisely so um and since then, you know, it's been really cool. Like I think we've fa- we we've established the kind of jive that we have. I'm definitely more of like I'm client facing. I'll deal with expectations. Okay. I'll deal with anything marketing or communications related. Okay. And he's so much of an introverted artist. So yeah. he deals with aesthetics. He Got you. oversees like the editing and all that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the introvert extrovert dynamic like plays itself really really mm-hmm. well. It still is pretty challenging at times, but I think we're in a much better place than okay. we were when we started out. And it's been really cool. It's been really cool. Um, you know, my husband manages the uh he still freelances completely. He okay. still does the business completely. So okay. he's kind of managing more of that Got you. while I'm working right now. Yeah. That's I mean, that works. Yeah. I think. That does. Cause then it's not like since you are working full time, because you know how sometimes you'll have a full time job and then you have your business on the side, but like something is gonna take a hit sometimes. So yeah. whether that's like you not putting 100% into your nine to five because you're so busy trying to focus on this other thing or vice versa. So it's nice. I find that that it worked so much better for me, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Like I, I came out from the opposite end of the spectrum. Like I was able to work to make self-employment work for myself and just doing nothing but my business. And you know, it was great. It is great. And it's doing really, really well for itself. But, um, I think, like, him and I, like, we both had very, very different approaches to what it means to be successful and yeah. what it means to be, like, well-appointed and really functioning. And I found myself to be, um, I, I, I like a routine. Mm-hmm. like I, and, it, and people are always like, oh, I love self-employment because, like, I get to do whatever. I get to be in my pajamas. And, mm-hmm. and for me, that was so counterintuitive for me as a person. I'm yeah. like, I need to drive somewhere. Right. I need to not be in this house mm-hmm. the whole day for me to feel functional. Okay. Um, and two, like, I, I think, like, the more we did the projects that we did and worked with the kind of clients that we did, I feel like we both realized that our trajectories were very different as okay. artists. I think he himself, he really wants to be, like, you know, I'm going to write a great screenplay someday. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a director. Like, I, I'm going to be independent fully. Like, he doesn't okay. see himself ever working in like a large team structure okay. whereas myself I've always been like I feel like you know as a woman of color mm-hmm. as somebody that you know is doing something really cool that not you don't really see a lot of like Filipino women or brown black girls like being yeah. that position a lot and right. I feel like you know I feel like I owe it to my girls to like you know what if I if I put myself in like kind of growing in the ranks okay. if if that makes sense mm-hmm then I could, like, pave the way for others like me in the future. And I yeah. could make those decisions by, like, paying it forward and hiring more women that right. are like me. So I've, that's kind of, like, the trajectory that I saw myself in. Mm-hmm. So I, I went back to the workforce. And um, the work where I'm at right now, they're they're very much of the same mind of, like, let's, you know, hire as diverse, you know, let's hire women, let's hire more diverse women, more diverse people as much as possible because it just makes our work cool. Mm-hmm. So so I'm I'm you know really happy to have found um, an environment where they believe what I believe in. Yeah. 
who um, was you all's first client? To wear, you know what? Like, that's really interesting. Project. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Like, I always say that the finding the first client that, like, actually pays you and actually believes mm-hmm. in you for real is, like, that's probably the first step and that's probably the most crucial step to anything. Yeah. Like, you, you know, all the time, like, we got these emails of, like, I want to work with you guys mm-hmm. and, you know, and... It, it takes years to just kind of like float around and try to find like footing. And for us, we were just so privileged and so lucky to have discovered um, Jennifer Crawford of all things Detroit. Okay. And that's how it started. Like we were both like, okay, well, we literally don't know anybody in Detroit. Yeah. Why don't we just do a little bit of like social media cybers talking and see like who's doing what and right. just you know offer our services for free you yeah. know like somebody's got to start somewhere right so we reached out to her we found her and she's you know she does like the all things detroit mm-hmm. market she does um downtown detroit partnership markets as well yeah. and she's just like such a wonderful supportive person and I'm pretty sure, like, she thought, like, who are these randos like emailing me out of nowhere <laughs> offering their work or whatever mm-hmm. but you know, it, it blossomed into something like really, really cool. And so we have an ongoing relationship and nice. she's also like a really, really dear friend to us. Yeah. So um proud to say that that's been going on for Wonderful. sure. Yeah, somebody, um, I haven't met her, but I was interviewing somebody else and they brought her name up and they had similar things to say. She should be in this podcast yes. for sure, for I sure. I think she should. She should. I'm going to have to make that happen. <laughs> So I love storytelling. Um, when I was working with the city, I got to do a nice amount of video production. I, I saw you in a bunch of them. Thank you. So. You know, booking info coming soon. No. Um, <laughs> so I just love being able to like watch something and really, I don't know, get to know the subject or like there's some type of arc within that storyline. Yeah. So what kind of stories inspire you the most? I think uh, the kind of stories that really inspire me the most are the ones that really, really hit close to home. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like, she doesn't have to be like a Filipino girl or anything. But there's a lot of stories that are just more relatable than most and things that like really make you feel a certain way. Yeah. And something that really connects with a human connection. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some a lot of filmmakers are drawn to like things that you know, make them do like really grand things like Mm -hmm. fantasy or sci-fi or something, you know, something that calls for like, something really grand Mm -hmm. but i'm more drawn to like the intimate depictions of day-to-day life okay i like personal stories and i like like something like you know her by spike jones like Mm -hmm. that's something that i love um and i would love to support filmmakers that tell those kind of stories if i can't do them myself yeah nice so you do a lot of documentaries and doc style work do you have like a couple favorite documentaries that you've seen that you're like always recommending to people like have you seen this like you should watch this i loved it so much what's, for sure um it's it's crazy because like i i knew you were gonna ask this question but <laughs> it's so crazy because like we're such a consumer like my husband and i we're always watching something mm-hmm. so it's always like you know the things that we love change every week right. but um if there's um a documentary series that i do um recommend to people Mm -hmm. uh it's wild wild country i know it's it's been a hot second since that came out and there's been so many good things too that came out since then but that is something that people absolutely need to watch like the storytelling is just masterful Mm -hmm. and of course 13th by ava duvernay is just you just have to watch it that was i could only watch that one time i know it's 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 a heavy watch for sure but it's an important watch it is yes you can't let life pass you by by exactly. not watching it. For yeah. Sure. Um, let me think of some because I love documentaries too. 
There's, which ones are your favorite? So there's one called The First Monday in May, which is about the yes. Met Gala. Yes. Amazing. Andrew Bolton mm-hmm. was the re- mm-hmm. that was a that was a good one. Yeah. I, I love just, that. I love a good fashion documentary. Yeah, same. <laughs> um there was one that I just saw at the DIA about Toni Morrison. I can't remember the full title of it, but that was like excellent cuz she was just talking about how she grew up and her inspiration behind some of her books and then how some of them were banned right. in different schools because what up people are ignorant and didn't understand what she was trying to do. Um, and then just about like how her blackness like played a role in her work. Um, what's another good one that I like? There is one, no, this one is kind of crazy, but it was very interesting. It was called, they call him Morgan and it was about this jazz musician and how he was in this common law marriage with this oh. woman and he was just like not faithful to her at all and she ended up it was very crazy she ended up killing him which is not cool gotta love me a good crime yes and i normally don't watch stuff (laughs) like that but it kept popping up on my in my queue and i'm like well let me just see what it's about but it was it was very interesting just to see like her thought process she was not sorry about it at all she was just like I mean, he cheated wow. on me, and like I'm like, this is nuts. But it was it was an interesting watch. There's been like there's so many threads of documentaries too, and it, I feel like the form has really evolved mm-hmm. so much. But again, I do love me a good crime documentary. Yeah. Um, there's this really it's, it's an older one, but there's a it's it's definitely made it to a lot of lists. It's, mm-hmm. it's called "There's Something Wrong About Aunt uh, Aunt Diane." Okay, and it's about you know she's a she's like a middle aged woman, and she basically takes like her her nieces and nephews and like mm-hmm. she goes driving on the completely wrong direction Uh-oh. on the freeway and there's like five kids and, wow. and so it was like an investigation on yeah. why she did what she did mm-hmm. and it was it was kind of like eerie and creepy at the same time yeah so wow. just i love a good documentary that gets under your skin yeah and there's so much of that going on right now which i love mm-hmm. the one um about my angelo still i rise that's a good one too yeah that's yeah. on my list mm-hmm. for sure. sure yeah let me know when you watch it <laughs> Um, what makes a film good to you? You know, it's not, it's not really one thing, but it's like a culmination of like so many things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, the cinematography was amazing. Right. Like for me, something that I really look for is like, not just the cinematography, but what's the visual language? Like, what is it trying to communicate? What are the subtexts that you see with every like beat, with every moment? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many amazing beats that you miss that are not just obvious and i love something that's more subtle for sure um good audio for me is incredibly mm-hmm. important um mix sound mixing and editing um again it's not really a com- it's just, it's not really like one craft that sets itself apart that makes a good movie special okay um it's a com- combination of all the t- the mastery of the technical aspects of putting it together but of course you can do sorry about that girl oh, you're fine. <laughs> so <laughs> you can you can do so much of that, but still not feel complete if you don't have a good story. Yeah. So ultimately, it has to boil down to a good story. Mm-hmm. Like even when we did the Sundance Masterclass in Detroit, which was a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're in this room of like, like the producer of Moonlight was there. Oh, nice. Uh, the producer of Food Wheel Station was there. Okay. And you know, you would think and you're expecting that they're going to throw some like major like Hollywood secret at you. Like right. what makes a good film? Like mm-hmm. why do films make it and why do some not make yeah. it? And ultimately they were all like, you know what? They're, they're they're trying to go through these many points, but then they boiled down to like 
it has to be the story. Mm-hmm. It just has to be a good story. Like, okay. And it's not just a good story, but like, one, why are you the person telling that story? Okay. And why does that story need to be told? Okay. Because there's so many stories that, that happen, but like, do we, like, what is the timeliness of that story? Okay. What is the relevance of that story in the current, like, thread of society, right? Yeah. So I look for a lot of those things and okay. the things that I watch, for sure. So I love that answer. <laughs> But right now, <clears throat> I feel like we're in like this big like reboot culture thing right now. Like, Girl, don't get are... me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know, I st- again, I consume everything, so I still watch it. So. Right. I mean, like some stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But then I think nine times out of ten, I'm just like, let it, leave it alone. Yeah. Like we don't need a part two twenty years later. Like, right. It's too late, and it's such a. I feel like you know, if it's done well, like mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, oh well. This was a really good follow-up okay. to the material that we missed. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it does feel like this is a money, this is a cash cow, yeah. this is a money-grabbing effort. Mm-hmm. This was a disservice to the original material that the people um, worked hard for. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, again, there's always, like, a lot of cashing in that's happening. Yeah. And it does it does kind of cloud the environment and, like, makes it harder for really good films to emerge. Yeah. But I think too the most important thing is that we are still seeing the efforts from mm-hmm. like from within, and mm-hmm. you still see like a really like, book smart was amazing. Did you see that? I movie? didn't see that movie. <sighs> that was so good. <laughs> but you know, every so often, like Hollywood will just surprise you. Okay. But the the most interesting thing that I've heard and you know definitely have experienced and have learned um the past few years is that. You know, when when people define success in, like, filmmaking, like, mm-hmm. a lot of people say, I want to make it to L.A., I want to make okay. it to Hollywood. And you get so many of these friends and colleagues that, oh, she moved or mm-hmm. they moved. And, you know, that's well and good and everything. But because the medium is so different now, mm-hmm. like, does it, you're not, these these pockets of, like, hotbeds of entertainment, like, they're not just contained to these places anymore. Right. So even when you're in a, place like the middle of nowhere in the midwest Mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunity to be able to do some really really good storytelling and one thing i've learned too and i got these from the producers at sundance Mm -hmm. from the workshop is that hollywood is absolutely looking for more obscure stories okay like if you're a filmmaker that is you know in a spot and you've got an incredible story to tell you don't necessarily have to move to these places to be able to tell them and make it work right you just have to be a a damn good storyteller Mm -hmm. So with that being said, how do you make sure that you're coming up with like fresh and innovative ideas for stories? So that's the thing these days. And that's definitely much of a challenge mm-hmm. because I'm it's so hard for me to get into a certain mind space yeah. to write my own stories again. Okay. I primarily started in the narrative world. I, you know, wrote and directed, you mm-hmm. know, the first short films that I did. But because I'm more of the producing end now. So a lot of the work that I do is very collaborative with other filmmakers to get their material done. Um, okay. You know, I produced Zachary Cunningham's yes. uh, Right On, which was such a great mm-hmm. experience. It was good. I got to see it before. <laughs> um, you got a special sneak you know, peek. I was, I was begging. I was like, please let me watch it now. <laughs> I was like, I didn't get to see Little Church. Can you please let me? Well, I'm so glad you loved it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the... the where were we? <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, we were talking about you coming up with yes. new ideas. So <laughs> I was like, oh. Like, I know. Brain fart. Right. But um, so, you know, a lot of a lot of the things that I do now is more of an, it was in a supporting role for mm-hmm. other filmmakers to get their stories made. Yeah. Um, I'm still at some point like trying to get back to my own art, trying to get yeah. back to my own writing. But 
I don't think that's gonna happen for a while. But on occasion, though, um, I I try to seek out, or sometimes, you know, I do get approached by, mm-hmm. you know, a, an amazing project here, cool project there, and a lot of times I just have to kind of keep my, you know, keep my my senses open okay. to see what's what's up and what's happening. Yeah. But when it comes to my own work, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do the short film that I just have no time to write for now. Yeah. But it'll write itself. Right. It'll, you know, at some point, when it will get time. there. When it's time. Yeah. There's a time and a place for everything, Honestly. as they say. Yeah, there is. <laughs> can you, and this might be a silly question, but can you talk about the difference between a director and a producer? Okay, so the director, and a lot of times, too, this is, it gets confused and conflated a little bit, okay. but... And definitely in a lot of places, especially in like low budget sets, you yeah. do get people that do both. Okay. Though hugely not recommended. Okay. So the director is more of like the executor of the vision. He's the one with the vision. He or okay. she is the one with the vision. I want to tell this story. This is the way I want to do it. Mm-hmm. This is the way that I want the actors or, you know, the story plays out. Okay. And the producer is more of like the partner at his side to okay. make sure that the story is served properly. Okay. Like, and sometimes it's like, how does, and there's so many different aspects to producing too. There's like Mm -hmm. producing that's like super technical. There's producing that's more of like, you know, I'm a creative partner in this. Therefore, I get to have a little bit more of a say, advise you more of how this is done. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times it's just, it's somebody that is there, is reliable. Okay understands, you know, understands how to work with a crew of 10 or a crew of 100. Got you. And so it's a lot of, like, understanding of story, understanding of people. Mm -hmm. So you're expected to come to set with, you know, 1,000 hats and be able to, like, execute everything properly. And it's not so much as, like, making sure everything's perfect, but it's, like, it's blowing a lot of, you know, blowing a lot of fires out, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Like, set life is exciting, but, you know, there will be a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. So... A lot of times you are the first in line to kind of, okay, I wanted, I'm going to diffuse the situation. You know, this this lens, I got you. I'm going to get it taken care of. Mm-hmm. That cast member, I'll take care of that person. So it's, it's a matter of kind of overseeing and making sure, again, that the story is best served in, in, in the most amazing way possible. Okay. See, I thought it was the other way around. I thought the producer was the one that came up with the idea or, like, Sometimes that could be that could be a thing too. Okay. Like that could be it could be a collaborative thing. It's okay. not it's not exclusive that okay. the producer only does like you know the day to day tasks, okay. right? But a lot of times it's 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 probably the most um, underrated, and it's probably the most it, it's the most workhorse of all the positions mm-hmm. because you you have to understand the work that the others are doing. Like yeah. you're not a cinematographer, but you have to understand what they're working on right now and how they're doing it. Okay. To be able to like communicate things properly mm-hmm. to them if that makes sense. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Thank you. Um hope I, I made sense of that for yes, you. Yes, <laughs> you did. <laughs> what would you say is a mistake that most filmmakers make regardless of how much experience they may have? Ooh, that is a really tough one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say mistake. Like, I, it's not so much as a mistake. Like, I, I'm the type of person that just, you know, I, I believe that the things that we do serve us a purpose eventually. Okay. Um, I think a thing that is kind of like an egregious, I, I wouldn't say it's a fault, but it, I guess it's a mistake. You're mm-hmm. right. Is, I guess, like second-guessing yourself okay. and not... And not really going for it because you fear too much the limitations that are in front of you. Okay. Like, I see this way too often. Like, I have friends who, like, 
you know, like just straight up asked me, like, how do you do it? Or how did you do it? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I knew exactly where you guys came from. I knew what you worked with. But how did you do it? How do you do it? Mm -hmm. And uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, you just, you know, you can't let things dictate the way your life goes for you. Like, crap will always happen. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, too, is like you have to learn to shut things out that are not serving um your passion that are mm -hmm. not serving the greater purpose that you have for yourself because you know if you if you just kind of like keep on you know not filtering and everything you'll be easily dissuaded and not really go for it like oh you know i have a nine to five i'm not able to do this oh i don't have the proper equipment i i'm waiting to buy this lens and then okay. i'm gonna start to do something okay and a lot of times there's always there's always gonna be that what if like yeah. there's always gonna be that i don't have this like right when you know again i'm not speaking for everybody and i'm not like the most amazing example at this because i definitely also and even to this day like i, I you know there's moments when i'm like i'm am i made for this mm -hmm. like am i cut out for this there's definitely like situations where like dang i feel like so alienated in this in this world mm -hmm. i don't think i'm ever going to succeed but you know you just you just have to keep going yeah. and absolutely like you can't let things dictate your success for you Mm -hmm. I think that's what sets you know people like the the people that you you see in Hollywood that are actually doing stuff. They also went through a lot of crazy, insane like heartbreak, right? And rejections rejections that we probably couldn't even count, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. So you, it, it's it's a matter of putting up a good fight. Yeah. Do you feel? And I'm sure the answer is yes. <laughs> um, filmmaking is a male dominate dominated industry primarily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> about to get some tea in here but yeah. uh. <laughs> um but why do you think that there aren't as many women in film do you feel like the trajectory of that is changing and i guess like if you you know could make something happen like if you could snap your fingers and change something about the industry like what or I guess, like, if you could do something, like, tomorrow that would, like, literally make an immediate impact, like, what would you want to do? Yeah. Um, we're talking about heavy stuff here. <laughs> I don't say. Um, so, you know, I'm always following, like, industry news and mm -hmm. industry trends. Like, I, you know, read, like, Hollywood Reporter or Variety, like, every day mm -hmm. for, like, stats. And, um, and especially in terms of, like, women in the creative field, like, women in editing, women in, in animation, for sure. And it's insane how you know, the statistics are still really, really staggering. Okay. And, you know, people are saying that, you know, not much really has changed in terms of, like, the numbers. Like, we are, I think, like, at the height of having, you know, a lot of, like, female filmmakers. Okay. So having a lot of diverse filmmakers. But I think in terms of, like, opportunities in, like, the top, you know, in, like, leadership positions, administrative positions, mm -hmm. positions that um, make key decisions in creative, there's still, like, a staggering figure that we still need to catch up on. Like I'm talking about like less than 10% mm -hmm. of women are given the opportunity to be in these positions. Right. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's probably within reason that people say that, you know, there's still so much that needs to change in this industry. And, and, and there is like, right. it's just, it's staggering to me, but um, yes. Is it a male dominated, dominated position? Um, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It is. But the key thing, the key thing that I discovered is that there is this growing great community of women mm -hmm. like that are fighting with each other and are supporting each other. And that's what, you know, Final Girls was all about yeah. because we came together and we had shared experiences, shared frustrations in terms of like 
how are we going to make our workplaces more equitable mm -hmm. for women like us? So, um, and the fight is still ongoing. And, you know, we, we there are a lot of amazing male allies. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to discount the allies here. They've been very supportive. You know, the set, the set that, you know, I typically work in, the sets I'm always in are filled with just like these amazing, great guys that are supportive. But for me, one thing that I really want to, set myself for as a main goal again like i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. is it's you know it's a depth it, it, it's something that i absolutely need to pay it forward like again i'm i'm blessed and i'm honored to have been supported by so many people you know both male and female mm -hmm. that you know have just encouraged me like when there was nothing going on and right. have literally led me to my clients as well and have helped me just like forge this <clears throat> path and so and not not a lot of women get that opportunity. Right. And so for me, that's why it was really important to like, you know what, I'm gonna go back to the workforce. I'm gonna I'm gonna just like rise up from the ranks because I feel like to be able to do that is to be able to pass on that opportunity to pass on and make those key hiring decisions mm -hmm. to eventually raise up more women to be in those positions. Mm -hmm. So that's something that it's not gonna happen today, but I'm working on it and I'm working actively to doing that for yeah. sure. Love it. Thank you for the work that you Love. do. <laughs> <laughs> I try. Yes. Um, what is your favorite part of the filmmaking process? It's so many things, actually. <laughs> like, it's hard. Like, you know, I'm realizing now that, you know, I'm not, you know, you can't, you can't obviously be the best at everything. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've, I've been one of those, like, self shooting filmmakers like especially in documentary like that's pretty pretty common mm -hmm. so i do you know i do love being on set quite a bit i do love camera operation mm -hmm. like something i i mean i'm i can do decently um but i think like i'm pretty much drawn to like story editing okay like personally like if i'm not producing on set mm -hmm. like story editing is something that i'm really really into and just like kind of weaving the pieces together once it's there. Okay. And just coming up with like a cohesive narrative, I think is something that um I find myself as like a key strength that I have. Okay. So that's something that I I'm I love doing quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Cool. Um let's see, I have one more before listener question. Actually two more. <laughs> Wait, but then I just forgot the other one because I didn't write it down. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, it'll come back to me. But this one is, how does it feel to have your work published in outlets like Huffington Post and The Atlantic and The Root? Like when you, I guess, were, I don't know if you contacted them to like, you know, pitch right. some of your work or if they were like, hey, we've seen what you do and we want you to do something for us. Like one, was that process like? And then two, when it was live, like what was going through your head? It is so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And it's again, you know, coming again, being like a girl that, came to Detroit like in 2014 like yeah. literally nothing on mm -hmm. my back to like having these places like publish you know your work right. for you is it's pretty surreal it's yeah. pretty surreal and how all that started again is like having just these like filmmaking is a super collaborative medium and yeah Detroit is very very small so you know if 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 people have their peeps that like mm -hmm. look out for them like it's it's a you know symbiotic like environment right. where we all just like really support each yeah. other, for sure. I've, like I've made some incredible friends that have just been so gracious about those things, and mm -hmm. yeah, it started from like one referral. You yeah, know? It, it it all all it takes is one referral, one person Honestly. to believe in you. So, um, excuse me. So how all this started was a friend of mine who got a job with um Detroit PBS. Mm -hmm. She couldn't do this Atlantic job anymore, okay. and this was like back in I think twenty sixteen. 
So she's like, I can't. I, you know, start. I, I'm starting with DPTV. Um, I sent your contacts, and you know, they'll follow up. Okay. And I was like, okay, cool. I didn't expect anything from it, but then eventually it did. It did become a thing. Yeah. So we worked with a producer um, for the Atlantic, but it was for their um, sort of like creative advertising division. Okay. And we did like three short stories on um, small businesses that were in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool. And it just, it just, you know, once you build up on something, once you have one thing that looks incredible and was done really well and mm-hmm. has a bit of a cachet because it got published like in a really cool spot like yeah. it literally just expands from there so mm-hmm. a lot of these things were again like referrals from friends that really trusted us yeah. and knows that we could do um a good story really well uh and do like a specific type of documentary um shooting which is run and gun which is you know you have to really follow and make sure you get the action okay so we kind of like do a little bit of that um, but yeah, no, they were the ones that approached us. Um, we have um, some pretty cool relationships with okay. some of them. Like, um, you know, when they have a story here, they're like, oh, you know, like we already got you the the one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did like around four things for AJ Plus. Nice. And um, uh, Terrell Starr, who uh, is an editor for The Root, writer for The Root. Mm-hmm. So he went here and we were filming with Lil Miss Flint. So mm-hmm. very, very cool thing. Um, and so that yeah, it you know, it, it's a it's a great thing to be contacted by yeah. them once in a while. It's sure. not it's not every day, right. but it's cool when it happens. Yeah. And shout out to the friends that will put your name out there. I that know. Is so yeah. That, it's nice to have people like that in your corner. It is so it, it, if I have to be like super completely transparent, like that is such a new feeling for me. Okay. Um we, you know, we both come from a city in the Philippines. And, you know, I just have to say this. It's a bit of a cultural thing, too. It's a very cutthroat. It okay. was a very cutthroat industry. And, okay. you know, I mean, you know, you have friends. But it was definitely more of like, well, you know, like, we're all just, you know, we're all riding this wave here. And we're all, you know, we have to do it in our own ways. Okay. Right. So it was a little cutthroat. And um, we were always, like, struggling. And, like, you know, like, where where's the support? Where's the help? But yeah. then when we came here, it was like everybody was just willing to jump um, to help, which mm-hmm. I think is so wonderful yeah. about the community of like artists and creatives here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I think especially too, because we lost the incentive, okay, the film incentive. So yeah. that was, I think that was like a huge blow. Um, but then, you know, people moved on and people are so assertive and like, okay, well, we don't have this anymore. How are we going to get by? How are we going to support each other okay. if we don't have this grand thing that yeah. is like carrying all of us? And ultimately, you know, we're making it work. People are making it work. Yeah. And that is because everybody is just so supportive of each right. other. Awesome. I love to hear that. Um, So we got some listener questions. Cool. So Subliminal Detroit from Instagram um, has two questions. Um, First one is who are some of your favorite filmmakers? Hmm. Interesting. This is a lot. <laughs> um, I like Christopher Nolan a lot. Okay. Um, Ava DuVernay. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Boyle's filmmaking. I'm not familiar. Is really cool. Um, Sam Mendes. Um, and a lot. I have like a lot of like Filipino mm-hmm. favorites that not a lot of you people can still probably tell us know. Google, <laughs> you know, Google is our friend. <laughs> My friends are doing some really, really cool things there. Shout out to um, Victor Villanueva and Ara Chowdhury. They're two good friends of mine in the Philippines, and they're doing like some really, really cool things right now. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm a huge fan okay. of their work. Oh, and Remtons Wasola as well. If you're listening ever, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> I will. I'll make sure to send this to them. Thank you. <laughs> and the second one was, what was the film that? really inspired you to like want to make films so was there a particular documentary or movie or show in mind 
that when you saw it, you were like, I could do that. You know what's really interesting is um, it's not so much as something that influences my work. Mm -hmm. It's like similar to the current work that I'm doing, but um, I really, really loved Closer. Okay. Uh, that was the one with Jude Law. Mm -hmm. and um, I, it, it was just such a great, intimate story. Okay. Right? Um, and also... Uh, v for Vendetta was something that really mm -hmm. influenced me. I'm a huge like graphic novel fan. Okay. So when that came out, I was like, dang, this is some really, really good storytelling. Yeah. So my influences, I'm not influenced by like one specific thing. And you know, the the things that influence me are not exactly like, oh, this is her style totally feels like, mm -hmm. you know, totally feels like that. But it's a it's it's an amalgamation of like so many things. Oh, and Wonka Wai is absolutely one of my favorite mm -hmm. filmmakers. I totally forgot to mention that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Zach would be upset with me if I don't mention <laughs> that. <laughs> um, okay, I have a few others, but some of them you answered with our other questions. Um, oh, my friend Bailey says, if you could have anyone play you in a film, who would it be? Oh my why? gosh, that is so interesting. <laughs> um, who are some of the really adorable and cute? I'm kidding. Right, honestly, um, if there's ever a biopic about, <laughs> call me. Because I don't think okay. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna deflect the question back to you, Evan. If uh, there's somebody that you want <clears throat> to play you, who would that be? Myself. I don't know. <laughs> you know. And I'm only saying this because she's like cute and wears glasses. I like little Marseille Martin. I think she's so she's cute. She's so adorable. I think she could do a good job. She. I, think she I see could. like Issa Rae maybe doing you too. You think so? Yeah. That could be a thing. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. She's beautiful. <laughs> and I love her. I totally forgot to ask. Like, um, what about you? Do you ever see yourself like doing anything? I mean, you're a storyteller mm -hmm. as well. So ha have you thought about pursuing like writing a narrative or directing something? I don't know. I I really did like seeking out stories to tell when I was at the city. I loved like trying to find people to interview and like how can we tell this person's like Detroit story or whatever? And some um, great work was done there for thank sure. You. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I would love to get back into doing that. I'm trying to like kind of incorporate that into my job now because there's so many, I feel like opportunities that we have to tell stories with people and plants. So I'm trying yes. to like push that out there. People so and plants are <clears throat> such a thing now. Such a thing. Such a thing. So I really. Like, that's something that I want to get back into. But as far as, like, personally, I don't know. Some people are like, you should, have you ever thought about, like, recording yourself, like, doing these interviews? And I'm like, I don't, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Which I think is I mean, is, get is a video camera in here once You want to help me? No. Yeah. I mean, girl, I, you just have to ask. Okay. Yes. So, but when I think of it, when I envision it, I'm like, I want to have, like, an Oprah set. And that's so dramatic. So I don't know. <laughs> Again, we're going to go back to the thing of like, oh, I'm going to wait until I True. Have, right? Yes, so, drag me, Eden. Okay? <laughs> Look at me. I mean, Issa Rae literally started with her web show. Yeah, so that's true. If that's not something to get you started, I right. don't know what is. Yeah. So I don't know. I think like maybe on down the line, I would like to. I think that, I don't know, maybe somebody, if they feel like doing a documentary about me, I'll do it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I do. I definitely love asking people questions and like hearing other people's stories and like trying to push those to the forefront. So I like, I guess more of a behind the scenes type of role. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I hope that answered your question. I think I see that happening in your future. Okay. You just have to call me and we'll make it happen. Okay. <laughs> Honestly. I Honestly. Will. Like you got somebody 
doing a documentary on i would actually i would like to shadow you to see how that's done yeah yeah because i think that's such a, an interesting thing about documentaries too you have to find that group of people that are knowledgeable about whatever the topic is and for sure <laughs> you know and that was because i know um jeremy was like gonna work on a documentary before it was like right before i left and he was like trying to get in contact with all of these different people that knew um because i think it was supposed to be about coleman and young i don't know if he's still gonna do it but um, he was just like, yeah, I'm going over to such and such's house to go talk to them. And like he would come back and tell me like some of the stuff that these like this person knew and like, well, they didn't want to talk about this. But then they gave me this person's number. And I'm just like, wow, that is such a a long right. <laughs> process. <laughs> yeah. And then you still on top of that have to figure out like how you want to tell that story. It takes it takes a while mm-hmm. to be able to. And, uh, but it, that's not always the case, though. Yeah. Like, Sometimes you literally have a moment to like capture something. Okay. But of course, like when you thread it all together, that's a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Okay. Oh, you did you have an actor in mind that you feel like could play you? I'm gonna have to think about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I would just do it myself. <laughs> Nobody can do it. Um, my friend Amara says, Who would make up your dream cast in a movie? so interesting <laughs> so interesting um yeah a lot of the the stories that i i i want to personally tell but again i have no time to write yet yeah. is i want to you know talk about like the next big asian american immigrant story okay uh, like something that's like sort of related to but maybe you know loosely lifted off my life because you know something that's like too close to home is okay. like a little weird so i don't know i'm still thinking about that cast um does Henry Golding count? Like you know, he's he's having a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a bunch of like really cool Asian American actors that are coming out now. Um, uh, that I'm paying attention to. Nico Santos. Uh, okay, he's in Superstore. Like I would love for him to be uh, I need to see Superstore. in it. You have to watch it. I need to watch it. I'm like so. I literally all I watch is documentaries when I do watch movies. And like really, really bad. We'd have movies. to take notes. We'd have to exchange notes about yes, the documentaries please. that we watch. Yes. Um, but I also have a thing. I love watching really horrible movies on well, movies that I think are Same. horrible on Netflix. It is like Same. my favorite pastime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I, I the thing that I just finished actually, um, and I would actually recommend it. I thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's a show called Dollface. Okay. It was with Kat Dennings mm-hmm. and uh, Brenda Song and stuff. And like, you know, it's it's it it was it was hilariously like relatable. Okay. It's about, you know, being like a well-appointed, well, you know, well-functioning like millennial woman mm-hmm. who like tries to have like a social life but is like me. awkward. <laughs> me, I know, me. I was like, yeah, that's literally like all my excuses. That's so <laughs> that's so true. And I thought it was hilarious. I do like I I love like watching something super intense, but it also like like this is something this is something that does nothing for my brain. Yes. Because sometimes you really, you know, people really do need that, honestly, honestly. and truly. Same. I honestly. definitely do. Because <laughs> I feel like you spend so much time thinking, you spend so much time at work, and you're just like, I just want to, I just want my brain to be mush for an I hour. Know. That's all. <laughs> something that I love watching, and I'm sure, like, a lot of your listeners would love this, too, is The Great British Bake uh, Off. Okay. I see that one all the time, and I and haven't it's watched so, it. It's just, it, it's something that, it's like, I told somebody that it's like the the show equivalent, like mm-hmm. drinking hot cocoa. Okay. And having like a snuggly, like a snuggie. Okay, let's just go there. Okay. And having a snuggie and a hot cocoa. That's mm-hmm. how it, the show feels like. Because okay. like everybody's so happy and okay. nice. And it's not like MasterChef, for example, okay. where everybody's like just so super cutthroat. Yeah. And, 
I can't watch Chopped. <laughs> Oh, especially not Chop Junior, because I hate when they send them little kids home. It really, I know. it hurts me. I'm just like, give it's them like, another can chance. We, can I do the show without sending them home right. and breaking their hearts? That's what I'm saying. Forever, so. right? Don't send anybody home. Just have like one winner, I guess, at the end, and then give everybody else like a consolation prize. I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. We got to do that show or something. Yes, please. Um, okay, we already answered that one. Well, thanks, guys, for those listener questions. I have a few more. Before we are done, um, what is a story that you would like to tell that you feel hasn't been told yet? Could be fictional, could be based on a true story, but what do you think is lacking right now? Like in general or like something that I'm personally working on? In general. Um, you know, I still, again, there needs to be more stories about black and brown folk mm-hmm. that are coming from black and brown folk. Yeah. I think that's like really important. And we see... So much of that happening now, which is great. Like in the mainstream, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that happening. But I feel like there's so many stories in Detroit, like in the Midwest, yeah. again, that's happening for sure, like in our own communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, to the filmmakers out there, I got to tell you, like, these are the stories that, you know, will be festival darlings if done really well. Like people have literally said that these are the stories that, you know, Hollywood is looking for. Okay. So I think I think we need to start banding together and like kind of do more of those stories like from our own turf. Mm-hmm. I think I think we need to see more of that. Yeah. Um what are your hopes for the film industry in Detroit? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm having some good so, questions. So good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, let's not let's not say something wrong here. <laughs> um hopes and dreams for the future of the film industry in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, does having the incentives come back be one of them? No, whatever your heart desires. I mean, that is something that, of course, will bring a significant positive change if Mm -hmm. that ever happens. Um, When it was here, it was fantastic. Um, It was so interesting because we were like um, at the tail end of our, you know, being in the Philippines and, you know, my husband was like, you know, mom, when we go back there, like, there's a huge industry that's happening. They're already opening, like, Hollywood studios there. And mm-hmm. it's going to be so great. We're going to get jobs. And, you know, we came and it's like, uh. <laughs> and, <Okay>. so, <laughs> and so a lot of people were still really reeling from that being just, like, yanked away. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, there's some, like, shifts happening right now in Hollywood and in Georgia that, you know, might possibly bring some of these back to, like, these mes- Midwestern cities. So mm-hmm. that could be a thing. Okay. But in terms of, like, the people and the opportunities, um, I just, you know, I guess my wish is, like, for people to just keep on hanging on mm-hmm. and support each other. Um, I'm seeing a lot of departures for other places. And yeah. it's, it's, you know, it, it's heartbreaking, but I totally, again, I totally right. understand. It's hard to um, make it sometimes mm-hmm. when literally, like, that that infrastructure doesn't quite gel together yeah. uh, in, the, in the absence of something so major. So, um but there is a lot of great filmmaking happening here. There are a lot of some really cool filmmakers that are still here. Um, and again, like my hope is just, you know, in the interim for us to just keep on holding on to each other and, you know, providing the kind of support that we have been um, and to keep on making the movies that, again, have yet to be told. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like uh, a filmmaker that I have to give a shout out to is our friend and he worked um for um, Zach's film as well. He's mm-hmm. a Zach uh, collaborator. His name is Charles Kennedy and he's working on a feature right now. And okay. there's a lot of like independent filmmaking that's happening. And yes, you know, we're working with budgets that almost don't exist. Mm-hmm. But I love that there's still that, that, that vein of hope that like th- we're still doing this even yeah. if we, we're not getting like 
LA budgets right now, LA incentives. Like mm-hmm. we're making this happen, and I hope that spirit will always be there. Yeah, you know, incentives or not. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean for you to be a damsel in Detroit? Oh, <laughs> to be a damsel in Detroit, and like it, it, you know, it, it's such a. It, it rings like a great bell in my ear Thank because, you. <laughs> you know, it's it, it took a while. It took a while to feel like, well, you know what? I'm finally a damsel in Detroit. I'm yes. finally like living in Detroit. I can call myself part of mm-hmm. this greater infrastructure. Like, you know, for so long when I started out, it was like, you know, I can't quite you know call myself that yet. Because, okay. you know, I don't want to take that because right. I'm, I'm new here. Right. So, but, you know, after like working extremely hard and like being in community, like I finally am that. And, mm-hmm. um, a damsel in Detroit certainly is somebody who um, is a part of this greater thread and is supportive of of this infrastructure mm-hmm. and being being present in the moment and being able to give back when when possible. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah, I think like community community is such a huge part of yeah. being a damsel in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And regardless of you know whatever your community is, like having that having that connection and having and being able to give back to the community right. is always so important. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what really matters. Community for sure. Community. Um, I think I don't when I and I always tell people I'm like I want people to feel like whoever I talk to on this podcast is accessible to them. So if somebody is yeah. listening and they're like, "Dang, I really want to get into film or I just want to see what this process is like." I don't want them to feel like like maybe before they listen to this they came across your page like people can get intimidated by that they see all the work that you do they just see you living your life and they're like oh she's never gonna like respond to me or will she even read my message or whatever but I just feel like hopefully these conversations will let people know like these are real people that are trying to support other women or men whatever you know in the city and like you can reach out to them you can talk to them you can ask them for advice or whatever so and something that I've been really um and you know you know you're absolutely right communication being accessible um that's one thing that, you know, a lot of my, you know, I thought you were intimidating. Evan, oh. Or like, you know, you see these people like, yeah. you know, the social media will say mm-hmm. a lot. And it's like, oh, you know, she's, I, I'm not, you know, she's never going to, you yeah. know. And, it, it you know, there's a lot of people that have reached out to me. And I, I do feel bad because I do have, and I'm going to admit this, I do have like anxiety. So I'm dealing okay. with that. And a lot of times when I get a message like so positive or so affirmative, I'm like, I don't know. It's a scam. No, <laughs> I don't, like either this is a scam or like I I don't know how to. I, like, yeah, I'm not gonna respond to this because this is like way too nice. Okay, for me. but so I'm I'm dealing. You know, I'm like okay, sure, but absolutely. If there's anybody out there who's like whoever wants to shadow, whoever wants to just like you know send me a note or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. Yeah, yay, yay! I love it. Um, and lastly, where can people connect with you on social and on the web? Yeah, so um, social, um, I am both, uh, put, if they want to add me on Facebook, they mm-hmm. can do that. Um, please send a note. <laughs> Don't be a random right. person. Right, who are you? <laughs> um, my social is Eden Sableboro, so it's Eden, and then my last name is S-A-B-O-L-B-O-R-O. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can follow Real Clever Films as well on Instagram, that's real with R-E-E-L. Mm-hmm. Um, where I produce now is a studio, again, called First Fight. Some really cool animations happening there. They're uh, on Instagram as First Fight. I want to look them um, the, A lot of cool work is happening there for sure. Um, and they can go to my website at edensibleboro.com and just, you know, send me a note. Like, say hi. <laughs> is it? Oh, I found it. Just First Fight? Yep. Yep. This is cool. 
and oh. animation is so I, you know they know this so animation is something that was so new to me coming yeah. in as like a live action uh-huh. you know producer storyteller for the longest time but mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities of course but yeah. a lot of the 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 cool thing about this is you're, you're working more with like illustration artists right. and animators and uh it's it's a really really cool experience mm-hmm. to be able to like help something materialized yeah that makes sense no seriously i'm looking at some of this stuff and i'm just like wow one of my friends that i had on here um crystal she does illustrations and she's just great but it's reminding me of some of the stuff yeah. that she does i can show you when we're tell done. her to send her portfolio over i and, will yeah um cool well thank you for coming eating <laughs> i'm so glad after being friends on instagram for I so know. long we i know like sometimes like you know, you you follow like, these really cool people, mm-hmm. and again, like it seems like, oh, like you know, like <laughs> I really like her. She seems really cool, but like, how do I even yeah reach out without sounding like so much like a creep? Mm-hmm. But this was a great first introduction. Yes, it was. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, guys, thanks for listening. As always, I want you to remember that Detroit girls do it better, and we'll be back next week. Question mark. I be- yes, I'll be back next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>